This morning's scripture from the book of Genesis also announces a birth. Now, as you hear this story, I want you to remember that it was not written as history. It was not written in the language of science or even in the language of obstetrics, but it's the language of faith. And it is a language that is more akin to the language of art than, of course, to science. So the truth that this story tells may not be literal, but it is a truth that is eternal about God's presence through all our times, even those that may seem to be unraveling. This portends the birth of Isaac. The story of Sarah and Abraham begins with three strangers arriving at their tent. And Genesis records it in this way. While they were eating, he stood near them under the trees. And they asked, where is your wife Sarah? She is right there in the tent, Abraham answered. One of the guests was the Lord. And the Lord said, I'll come back about this time next year. And when I do, Sarah will already have a son. Sarah was behind Abraham, listening at the entrance of the tent. Abraham and Sarah were very old, and Sarah well, was well past the age of having children. So she laughed and said to herself, Now that I am worn out and my husband is old, will I really know such pleasure? The Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Does she doubt she can have a child in her old age? I am the Lord. There is nothing too difficult for me. I'll come back next year as I promised, and Sarah will already have a son. This ends the reading from the book of Genesis. And may these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Sarah laughed. Well, no wonder. I mean, it was such a crazy notion. I mean, how old was she? Maybe 90 or 91, it says a few verses earlier. I mean, think about it. If you were at Grandma's 90th birthday, and at the end she also said, Oh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby. After you got off of the floor, you might have laughed as well. Sarah may have laughed. But her words are also tinged with some sadness. She describes herself as worn out. Maybe she feels as if God can do no more with her. These days, especially these days, you don't have to be 91 to feel that you are weary or that things are unraveling or to feel that not even God can do anything for you. Maybe. You sense that things seem hopeless. One writer reminds us that you don't find much laughter in the Bible, but when you do find it, there is nothing quite like it anywhere else. And there are a couple of chapters in Genesis that sort of 
positively shake with laughter. And then, of course, there is a passage from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, a passage that I often read at a graveside service for someone who has died. At first, it might seem a bit incongruous to the context, but the ancient wisdom of Ecclesiastes reminds us even in the most tender and poignant moments of grief, or even in a pandemic, that yes, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. Now, I'm not speaking of the kind of laughter that, for instance, denies pain, or laughter that tries to cover up pain and, and push it off to the side, but I'm speaking of the laughter that walks beside us in pain, a laughter that might lead to a joy that does not avoid pain, but sometimes transcends it. And Sarah laughed. Now, Sarah and Abraham had had plenty of hard knocks in their lives, and there was still more to come. But at this moment, after their long lives already, an angel tells them that, well, that they're going to have to dip into their 401ks, Maybe they're going to have to take an extra distribution from their IRAs. And why? Because they're going to have to build a nursery. What might at first appear to be a time to weep brought forth laughter. It's probably not a surprise, but some psychologists have studied laughter. And what they found is that laughter is actually not very often a reaction to something which is humorous. Most of the laughter that we experience in life is social in its origins. And in fact, this is important to remember in a pandemic, laughter is shown to be contagious. It's infectious. We're more likely to laugh when we are with other people. And we're even more prone to laugh if we're with people we like or think we will like. And that's because psychologists label laughter as a behavior contagion. A behavioral contagion. I don't know about you, but that phrase was so welcome in my mind, a behavioral contagion. My mind has been darkened with thoughts of other contagions, but laughter is contagious as well. And today's psychological studies and the ancient wisdom of Ecclesiastes, which is 2,500 years old, both of them know that laughter is essential to our health and well-being. I have a friend whose personal experience is testimony to the results of those studies, testimony to the witness of Ecclesiastes. She said that near the end of her father's life, he'd been quiet for a few minutes, out of nowhere, he suddenly said to her, We've laughed a lot, haven't we? And she said, Yes, we have. And it was only later. She thought, You know, at first I thought it was such a strange thing to say, but now, she said, I realize what my dad was saying was so important. If you can look back on a life where you've shared a lot of laughter with the people around you, with the people you care about, not a moment of that time is wasted. But rather, those are the times that really matter. And then she said, you know, 
it is worth taking laughter seriously. And that's true. And I think that's true because laughter is, in some ways, a close cousin to faith. Laughter is a humble recognition that the fate of the world, the significance of our lives, is not left entirely up to us. And maybe that's what older people have learned. Maybe that's what Sarah had learned as well. She had already been through so much, lived through so many of life's challenges and sadnesses, and yet, when she might have thought her life was unraveling, Sarah seemed to have a great capacity to laugh at what God puts before her. Maybe Sarah laughed because she had discovered over her many long years that there's no time in any of them when she had ever been abandoned by God. Yes, there's a time to weep. And Sarah knew tears intimately. But there's also a time to laugh. I don't know what you're thinking right now. Sarah laughing and God doing wonderfully strange things to two old people. Maybe you're thinking this story, it's just, it's just too playful. It's too potentially silly for a sermon during a pandemic, a pandemic which isn't silly at all. But remember that God gave us the gift of laughter. And even studies have shown that laughter is healing. Laughter is redemptive. It is a cousin to faith. Laughter lightens the load and stretches our imagination to see joy even in the midst of struggle. And maybe, maybe that's why Sarah and Abraham named that surprising child Isaac. Now Isaac goes on to do great things for his people, face great obstacles in his life. But through it all, everywhere Isaac went, everyone would have known what the name his parents gave him meant in Hebrew. And maybe the name, maybe the name was a prayer from Sarah and Abraham for their child. Because Isaac, in Hebrew, means one who laughs. May it be so for you.